Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. This is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Thelema. Now, today's segment is another one of those that I knew was inevitable from the beginning. I knew I was going to do one on the topic of dream work, dream analysis. Now, you know I'm a psychologist uh, with a Jungian orientation overall, and uh, dream analysis has been a very important part of my personal practice and my professional practice from the beginning. It's one of the things that uh, was uh, most intriguing to me about uh, Jungian approaches to psychology to begin with. Um, And over the years, I've done dream discussion groups and uh, worked with patients on, on this quite a bit. Dream analysis is one of those tools for the personal development of the magician, uh, much like psychotherapy, that's going to bring a lot of benefits when it comes to self-knowledge, self-understanding, and a a number of other things, which we'll go into in a minute. But I just wanted to point out that this kind of falls under the same umbrella as psychotherapy in terms of its general benefit, um, and uh, is highly recommended as as a daily practice for the magician at every stage of magical practice, not just as a preliminary. Carl Jung called dreams the royal road to the unconscious. And, you know, his theory was very much about the balancing of conscious and unconscious. So, in his view, the dreams were sent from the deepest self, the self with a capital S, as distinct messages of balance and wholeness designed to be uh, heard by the ego, the waking self. Um, and, And the intention was always towards wholeness and growth. The intention was always towards communicating information that the ego needed to know in order to be more self-aware and to balance out the predispositions that would have been present consciously in the magician. So the very nature of dreams, the basic nature of dreams viewed through this theoretical approach would be that they are inherently bringers of self-knowledge, making the unconscious conscious, um, integrating shadow material, unacknowledged aspects of self, um, integrating symbolic contents that, uh, in, in the dreams, um, that, have important messages for the conscious mind. You can see how this overlaps a lot of the magical work that we would be doing, explicit magical work, such as scrying, pathworking on the tree, working with symbolic elements in ritual, and so on. The dreams that we record and analyze uh, are ready-made containers for these same sets of symbols. And the more rich and diverse our symbol set through our magical work, and through mythological exploration and our understanding of comparative religious systems and um, symbol sets around the world and various cultures and religions. The more we explore all of that, which is inherently part of our our magical work in in Thelema, the more we'll be able to bring to bear on understanding our dreams and therefore receiving fully consciously the the messages they bring. Uh, That said, to be uh, appropriately skeptical about the nature of dreams. There is a lot of debate about the nature of dreams. Um, Some argue that there is a definite, and this is the basic Jungian approach, that there is a definite attempt on the part of the unconscious to deliver an intentional message. Um, Others argue that dreams are simply random firings of neurons and uh, don't have any particular meaning. Um, In my experience, the good news is that even if 
this is random stuff. Even if the, the whole existence of some sort of subconscious uh, wisdom that's trying to present itself is a fallacy, um, I just find it's extremely valuable to get outside the box of everyday rational ego thought um, by dealing with these more or less irrational um, symbol sets, um, things that just force us by, by way of uh, trying to analyze them and make sense of them into exploring certain aspects of ourselves that we might not have hit on if we were just um, kind of living in the rational world of our everyday minds. So worst case scenario, you get some self-knowledge and some interesting mental calisthenics out of it. Uh, it's a lot like um, divination or scrying in this way that you can ask questions and get answers from parts of yourself if you view this psychologically rather than more metaphysically. Uh, answers from parts of yourself that, uh, that go a bit outside the box. So let's talk about some preliminaries. Um, it's really important to use your own symbol sets for the most part. You want to avoid at all costs those sort of dream symbol cookbooks where you know you look up what an owl means and it uh, tells you what that's supposed to mean. Or you know, anytime you have this pre-digested uh, kind of dream dictionary, um, it's it's going to lead you astray more often than not. So there's a time and a place for expanding your own personal interpretation in, into more mythological themes and looking for archetypal themes that show up that you might not be consciously aware of, so you go research them. But um, for the most part, as I'll show you when I go through the, the approach here in a few moments, you're going to be using your own associations, your own symbol sets, and uh, by virtue of doing that, you'll come up with a very personalized um, interpretation. Another important preliminary um, is that in the Jungian approach, for the most part, everything in the dream is you. Uh, you dream of your mother. You're having a conversation with your mother in a dream. Well, according to this approach, it's not a dream about your relationship with your mother. It's not a dream about your mother, your external living person mother. It's about the interaction between your ego state and that part of you that is best symbolized by your mother. This is uh, the default interpretive framework. Um, a house in a dream is a location within you. A storm in a dream is uh, a dynamic process within yourself, etc., etc. Don't fall into the temptation of uh, overly concretizing and externalizing the characters and places and processes in the dream. Now, you may recall from earlier segments, and if you've reviewed the resources material on livingthelema.com, um, that I'm a big fan of Robert Johnson's book uh, called Inner Work. I'm a fan of a lot of Robert Johnson's writings. He's a Jungian analyst. Um, I'm not sure if he's still living, but he's uh, based in, in the San Diego area, last I knew. And uh, in his book, Inner Work, which is my favorite reference on dream work. Um, he describes a four-step process, which is a pretty concise summary of the, of the basic Jungian approach to dream analysis. So here are the steps. The, the first step is you write down, of course, everything that you can recall about the dream content itself, the story, the symbols, 
etc. Um, so the first step is making associations to each specific element of the dream content. So let's take an example dream and then we'll carry it through these four steps. Let's say you dream about being in a house that you lived in when you were 14 years old and you are having a conversation with a childhood friend. Okay, so in step one, what you're going to do is just associate to that house. You know, what age were you? What was your life like then? What was your emotional state like then? Um, what were your activities then? What are the good things and bad things you remember in that house? And so on. Um, with your childhood friend that you dreamed about, same thing. You make associations. What was the personality of that friend like? Um, how would you describe that friend to someone who didn't know him or her? Um, just anything that comes to mind about that, that friend. Now, what you want to do is be careful not to get into chain associations where thinking about the friend reminds you of a bike you had and the bike reminds you of a car you got later. And, you know, you don't want to do that. You want to kind of keep tying it back to this, the symbol as it actually appeared in the dream. Um, it may help you to, to do this graphically, like um, for each of the major symbols in the dreams, um, write the word, draw a circle around it, and then kind of make like spokes of a wheel and point to the different associations related to that thing. So you get um, a sheet covered with symbolic associations. So that's step one. You just uh, um, make those specific associations. Step two is... Um, you connect the dream images to your own inner dynamics, and also you amplify those images and symbols uh, via traditional sources if they are things that um, strike you as being what Jung would have called numinous. They have a, a certain powerful quality that seems to glow a little bit, you know, beyond the specific content as you personally associate to it. So, for example, I remember having a dream once where um, I was living in some sort of culture that lived on the on the slopes of an active volcano, <laughs> and um, you know, obviously, this is not something for my personal life. This is a uh, big dream, as is sometimes called in, in Jungian work. It's a dream that just screams, you know, there's more to this than your than your personal life. So it was useful to look at. Um, uh, stories and myths involving volcanoes and such. So that's that's called amplification and uh, can be an important part of this stage too. But most of the time, you're connecting your dream images to inner dynamics in more direct ways. So in our example where you dreamed about the childhood friend at the, in the house you lived in at age 14, um, you've identified uh, perhaps that this friend was caring, a good listener, and he was loyal. In step one, um, maybe the house reminded you of having good memories of family time there. Okay, so here, when you're connecting dream Im images to inner dynamics, uh, that friend is the caring and loyal part of you, and the house represents perhaps the state of mind in which you nurture yourself and you slow down and you enjoy your time with people and so on. So. The house was a symbol of that state of mind within yourself, and the friend was a symbol of you, um, you know, living out that part that is best symbolized by that childhood friend. So that's step one and two. You've got the individual symbols, and you've connected those symbols 
to dynamics in yourself. Step three is you weave these dynamics together into an interpretation. You tell a story based on what you've decided about the, the inner aspects of yourself that are being referred to in the dream. Um, so what you're looking for here is a click, as Johnson would call it. It needs to click when you, you'll try on different interpretations and some of them will, will not, um, resonate with you. Um, there are ways also to filter this, to ask some questions and, and kind of have a, a, a BS detector here. Like, did you learn something you didn't already know from the dream? Um, if you didn't, learn something you didn't already know, then chances are it's not the deepest message present and available in the dream. Um, your ego already knows stuff by our theory. The unconscious doesn't need to tell us something we already know. It's going to be telling us things that balance what we already know. Um, are you at least slightly uncomfortable with the interpretation? That's another flag that it may be uh, a, a good interpretation for you. Does it sting a little bit? Alternately, do you feel energized by the interpretation? Does it, did it feel like it freed up some energy in you to make conscious what you just made conscious? So in our example um, with the friend in the house, the dream might we might decide that the dream is suggesting that you set aside more time to check in with yourself about your emotions and your general well-being uh, to create the inner equivalent, essentially, of that positively remembered family home where you can more deeply listen to yourself. So again, you're acting out, you're being asked by the unconscious to um, kind of act out the story of the dream, which is being your own caring, loyal friend in your own symbolic house of, um, of comfort and self-nurturance. So I recognize this is just by, by necessity, kind of a superficial example that I've walked you through here, but, um, I needed to give you something to hang on to. So, um, finally we get to step four, which is, uh, pretty unique. And I, it's one of my favorite things of Johnson's, uh, you perform some sort of ritual. He actually calls it a ritual to honor the dream, to make it concrete. So, um, the theory here is that the more concrete you make the message of the dream, that is the more you enact some sort of behavior that signals to your unconscious you're taking it seriously, that you've really listened and understood the content of the dream, the message of the dream, uh, the more healing it can be, the more you um, truly integrate into your kind of cellular structure the message of the dream. So, for example, um, something creative you could do with this dream example would be um, go visit that home that was in the dream and take some of the dirt from the front yard and uh, put it in a little vial or a jar or something and, and um, perform a little ritual with it and uh, set it on the mantle and keep it with you as a, as a reminder of the, the truth of the dream that you've discovered. Something like that. You know, just make it concrete, make it um, uh, be creative and, and find a way to, uh, to connect to the dream physically. So, brief recap, the four steps. Step one, make general associations to the dream content. Step two, connect those dream images and symbols to inner dynamics. 
and possibly also amplify by exploring mythological sources and such. Uh, step three, weave together the inner dynamics into an interpretive structure, a story, a message of the dream. And step four, perform a ritual to honor the dream. Now, if you have any familiarity with the Kabbalistic doctrine of the four worlds, you might have noticed a little something interesting in, in this four-step process. It actually kind of maps out pretty well to the four worlds. Um, for example, step one, where you're making the uh, these specific associations to the dream content, it's it's sort of like you're identifying the seeds of the content, the, the symbolic seeds, almost like Atzeluth, that everything else springs from. Little crystal seeds that then start to form larger crystals in a sense. In step two we're we're giving form to those seeds by fleshing it out with our associations. This is and and also finding archetypal forms through amplification of the symbols. So this is like the Briatic world where um, sort of the uh, the superconscious forms of content are are shaped. And uh, then in step three, as we translate these archetypes and um, higher dynamics into apprehensible, fully conscious, and workable thought forms, um, this is very much much like bringing this content down into the world of Yetzira, where uh, we we can actually uh, relate to it in a more uh, conscious, egoic manner. And then finally, at step four, when we do the ritual honoring the dream, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to, to see why this relates to the world of uh, Asiya, potentially. We're, we're making the dream manifest in the physical world by our behavioral enactment of the message of the dream. So uh, it's, it's not necessarily to think about it in a four worlds context to get something out of dream work, but... I couldn't resist talking about it a little bit in that way because it's it's a pretty cool overlap. Now, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about a related technique called active imagination, which you may have heard of. Uh, it's also a Jungian technique. Um, Jung called active imagination dreaming the dream onward. And what this consists of is going into a quasi-meditative state and consciously, you're, it's a waking state, you know, and so you're consciously re-engaging with characters from the dream, with the material from the dream, and asking for more information. You are inserting yourself back into the world of the dream and trying to extract more meaning from it. So what you might do is set up a ritual space, do a banishing, um, call forth a character from a recent vivid dream, that, especially one that might have been confusing or especially vivid or just felt especially important. And uh, interact with the being from the dream. Uh, ask it for more information. Um, ask it what its message is for you. Ask it, uh, you know, if there's other things you need to know about the, the, the content of the dream. So, um, you know, one of the cool ways of recording this which uh, I think it might have been Johnson that recommended it, was you sit at a computer, and it's a bit like automatic writing uh, or, or even scrying in a way you you can have the dialogue, and, and when you're asking uh, questions and such, you can type in lowercase and then 
switch to all caps for the response of the inner being, you know, the character, uh, something like that. That's kind of a, a neat, easy way to, uh, to capture all this without having to, um, uh, you know, use lots of quotation marks and that sort of thing. Um, so, uh, another related technique that I'm often asked about is lucid dreaming. Um, and I think the way I would suggest we think about this is that it's a continuum of conscious to unconscious awareness. Um, conscious life is, uh, fully conscious, obviously, and, and we're, we're, there's not much unconscious control of that um, in, in, this, in our experience of it. Active imagination gives us quite a bit of conscious control, but we're engaging directly with the unconscious material. Uh, lucid dreaming is maybe more like 50-50, where we are substantially immersed in dream content, but our conscious involvement and control is, is, is moderate. And then regular dreaming, uh, is where we have the least conscious control and involvement. So it's just a continuum and, um, it's going to be different depending on the particular occasion and, and the particular skills of the person doing it. So just thought I'd address that quickly because I do get a lot of questions about lucid dreaming in particular. Some final suggestions for uh, dream work in general. Um, keep a nice dream journal. This same principle that applies to your magical journal. If you have a journal, like a you know a blank book or something really nice that you treasure, that you that is special to you, um, that will um, actually empower some of your work with it. Also, um, as you're going to sleep, tell yourself that you're going to remember your dreams on awakening. And write it down or maybe dictate it uh, into, you know, your recording device uh, as soon as you wake up. It's really important to get that stuff down right away. The cool thing about recording it in audio is that you get emotional tone in, in the voice that comes through that may help you um, get inside the headspace of the dream later when you're trying to analyze it. And you tend to get more detail in there if you're just talking it rather than you know, in your pre-coffee state, trying to stumble to your pad and paper and uh, and write it all down or type it, um, you will definitely notice, uh, in my experience, that the more you engage the dreams, the more you're consciously working with them, the easier it gets to remember them. The more detailed they are, the more detailed your memory is of them. In other words, and. Um, the more you'll notice some continuity from dream to dream, like the, you're working with material and analyzing a dream from one night, and you'll notice the next dream kind of picks up the story where the last left off in a certain way, even if on the surface the dreams are entirely different. Um, finally, you may notice patterns in how vivid and intense your dream your dream activity is in general. For example, I found that when I am very actively working with some, you know, a ritual sequence, um, engaging with symbolic material in fairly direct ways, I don't remember as many of my dreams. And when I am, and the con the converse is true as well. When I'm really uh, doing less of that intense symbolic work, 
the dreams seemed to have more pressure to get out, and so I remember them more readily. So as usual, I have some resources for all of this on livingthelema.com, and uh, this includes Johnson's inner workbook and two other books, uh, sort of seminal works by Carl Jung himself. As always, uh, direct your questions and comments to me via email at livingthelema at me.com, and um, be sure and like our page on Facebook and communicate with us that way. Also, visit livingthelema.com for uh, more resources, including resources for all the previous segments, and for my bio if you want to learn a little bit more about my background and my work. Thanks, as always, for listening, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Love is the law, love under will.